Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Right, all right, all right. How's it, guys? <laughs> Take the Durban vibes to Cape Town, eh? Oh, is we going to go down there? I'm going to bring Durban to Cape Town. Where all the O's um, are going to have at the conference. I'm nervously excited about this morning. I'm speaking on the restoration of sight. So far, I've heard two testimonies about blindness. I see people talking about veils. And um, I'm, I'm mentioning the amazing grace this morning, and then you went and spoke about that. So God's up to something, as he always is, isn't he? I'm Travis, by the way. This is my daughter, Anna. She wanted to be with me this morning, if you don't mind. So she's here. Um, she'll be here for a little bit, and then she'll, she'll disappear. How nice was, or how nice is not a great word. How epic was Sobs' sermon? Um, I got great pleasure out of him talking about a mighty gale. <laughs> Every time he mentioned it, I was like, yes, that's right, Sobs. Just remember, my surname's Gail, for those of you who don't get the joke. It's a personal joke. Um, but um, I was quite glad that I didn't hear the sermon. Um, I was away, but when I prepped my sermon, I then went and listened to his sermon, and I realized that there's a very strong link between what he spoke about and what I'm going to speak about this morning. Uh, and I'm quite excited about that because it feels like there's something that we need to hear twice uh, and perhaps marinate in a little bit this morning. Um, and so I'm really trusting that God will open our eyes to something that he really needs us to see here at this point, at this time, February, what is it, the 12th, 2023. All right. Um, so really just trusting, trusting for that. This is also the first time I've walked into every nation and people have said to me, nice t-shirt. <laughs> so I, I guess my whiteness has uh, been a little bit too, you know, button up and everything like that. But um, but thank you for all of those who complimented my t-shirt. My wife went to Ghana uh, two weeks ago, and all I got was this. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it was this beautiful t-shirt. I also got some beautiful coffee beans. But I've been looking up these, um, I didn't cry, whatever, the, the symbols that are on here. And, and, and this one actually means that God is, is almighty, and he's supreme. And, and uh, so it's on my, on my shirt this morning as a reminder. Um, but we're talking about miracles this morning, and um, I think you've already heard some testimony. We're a church that believes in miracles. Oh, I've, I, just in prepping this, I, I've just thought about, I mean, I've been saved since I think I gave my life probably in, in I was in grade, it was standard seven or eight, so whatever that is now, grade, what is it? Nine or ten, hey, or whatever. But um, what is it? Five, six, whatever. It's a grade. And um, how difficult and at times hopeless it must be to live life purely through the natural lens and not to be in a relationship with God who gives us the ability to live in a supernatural way. Uh, that scripture says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Like that's just been a reality for, for so many of us for so long that we, we have a circumstance that we faced up to, but that circumstance doesn't limit us. Just see the dress down, okay? That circumstance doesn't limit us um, because we see it through a kingdom lens. And so we can live supernaturally, which means that nothing, we're not bound by the natural laws or by natural logic or by natural sense. We, we're bound by faith. 
Um, and so much of the this, 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 this services on Sunday are really about activating that faith and, and, and reminding us about that faith so that we can go back and go out. Um, and so it's just so, so amazing to talk into, into miracles again, uh, to, to, to fuel our faith. We, we're reading biblical accounts of miracles that happened thousands of years ago. We're hearing testimonies of miracles that are happening now. So we're saying that miracles were not reserved for biblical stories. Miracles are reserved for our lives because we live in the kingdom. Um, and so this morning is about encouraging us. Um, Sobs, of course, had to go and raise the benchmark and talk about how his wife's his miracle and how amazing she is and all of that good stuff. So um, I love my wife too. Um, she wanted you to know that I am her miracle um, this morning. You're out. But uh, I just want to do a quick poll. How many women in the house really want their partners or their boyfriends to do something significantly special on Valentine's Day. It is on, it's on Tuesday. Is, is Valentine's Day a thing here or is it? No. Huh? Maybe just to help out some of the guys. Just look, if your wife's got a raised hand. Um, Tony and I have been together for, I don't know how long, almost 20 years. But our first Valentine's Day together, I, I went all out. Like, I went like romantic, I bought stuff. She got me a, a, a beach towel. And that's when I knew that this woman doesn't give a rip about Valentine's Day and that whole thing. And it's, it's been a pleasure ever since because we haven't celebrated one since. Um, but of course, in my house, every day is, is Valentine's Day, isn't it? Ask her afterwards, she'll tell you. Maybe, maybe don't ask her today. Just give me, give me another week. Our miracle this morning is found in John chapter 9, 1 to 7. It's, a, it's, a, it's the healing of a man who was born blind. Um, it's an incredible piece of scripture. Uh, and in fact, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're literally going to go through just the scripture today, verse by verse. Whilst the miracle is certainly powerful, what I found even more powerful is what surrounds the miracle, um, the context, the, the nuance of the story. And it's when we read the Bible and we read these stories Sometimes it's just helpful to pause and just go into the story and say, what else is happening here? Rather than the obvious thing that dives out and sort of smacks you in the face. So John chapter 9, 1 to 7, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the, with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sense. So he went and washed and came back seen. And obviously the obvious miracle here is that a man who was born blind received his sights. His sight was restored. His physical sight was restored. But as I said, there's so much that happens in the scripture, in and around that particular miracle. So let's have a look at verse 1. Let's start off this thing by looking at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. The man could not see Jesus, but Jesus saw the man. The man could not see Jesus, but Jesus saw the man. And some of us need to hear that this morning. We sometimes feel like we can't see Jesus, but Jesus sees you. When we're not in relationship with him, 
We can't see Jesus. We're spiritually blind. We'll talk about that a little bit just now. But Jesus sees you. And not only does he see you, but he searches for you. When we're in relationship with God, even when there's times when we feel disconnected from God or when we feel things are unclear, when we don't feel like we can see Jesus or see the way, Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you and he sees you and he searches after you. And that's something so significant about the God that we serve and what differentiates our religion, our, our faith is that our God is a God who desires relationship, who sees you and pursues you and knows the storm that you're in, knows the needs that you have. That's why Sob's sermon is so beautiful. Jesus was watching them. He saw them on the boat, rowing in the mighty gale. All right? He saw them. Jesus sees the storm. Jesus sees you. He knows your context. He's not a God that is disconnected from your reality, but he also has the power to change the circumstance. He sees the needs and he has the power to meet those needs. He sees the context and he has the ability to change that context. And that's the beautiful thing about the God that we serve. He sees you, he knows you, he knows what you need, and he has the power to change it. Sometimes we can buy into a lie which says, this is my lot in life. It's interesting that the, the, the blind man in this case was blind from birth. And it's a little piece of scripture that he puts in there. You know, he was blind from birth. So if we had to just try and identify with that blind man, I don't know how old the blind man was, but by the word man and whatnot, I'm assuming that he was an adult. He's been blind for a long period of his life. And in that context, you know, just hopeless, feels inhibited, feels limited, feels stuck, and unable to participate in society, unable to see, and unable to see spiritually as well. And for us, we can get into a situation in our lives where we feel stuck, where we feel inhibited, where we feel like this is our lot in life, you know, uh, and we can buy into that lie. But no matter what has transpired, God has the ability to enter into that circumstance and to change those, those details. That blind from birth, it's like a little bit of added piece of detail that you can just skip over when you're reading the story. But when you, when you point into it, it starts to give you the nuance of this miracle, and it points us a little bit away from the fact that this is just about the healing of physical sight. And in actual fact, what's, 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 what's laced in the story is also about the healing of spiritual sight as well. We are all born spiritually blind. We are all born sinners. We are born separated from Christ. Um, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4, which says, and even if our gospel is veiled, to what uh, Wayne was talking about just now, it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there's something about the veil that has to be lifted. There's something about the fact that, well, maybe none of us can associate with being physically blind. Some of us seem to have experienced that. We can all associate with what it means to be spiritually blind. And Jesus is the God who, God, God sends Jesus to die for our sins on the cross so that he can restore our sight so that we can see things differently. Somebody once said to me, where, where do Christians go when they die? Go on, so they go to heaven. But when do they die? Well, Jesus speaks about us being born again, which means that we die and we are born again in him while we are living, which means that salvation is not just for eternity and for what happens one day when we live with God in eternity, but salvation is for now. So when we enter into salvation, when we're saved, when we give our lives to Christ, when we're born again, he opens our eyes to a new reality of living in relationship with him on this earth. He changes 
the rules. He changes the game plan. He changes the context within which we exist, which means that we have to be differentiated from someone who just lives in the natural world as someone who isn't in relationship with Christ. And we've got to mature in this. We've got to grab onto this. We've got to grab onto the revelation of what this means to have our eyes spiritually open so that we can see him, be in relationship with him, and then see the situations through his eyes and through the idea that we're sons and daughters of the king. And so when we look at our challenges, when we look at our obstacles, or when we look at our needs around us, or look at other people's needs around us, we don't see it through the natural way of seeing things. We see it through the spiritual eyes that God gives us. He's given us a new set of eyes. He's given us a new way of seeing things. And I know, because I'm, I'm guilty of this, we slip back into that old way of seeing things. We slip back into old paradigms, old ways of, 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 of looking at things. We slip back into that natural. We slip back into that independent place where we're looking at things disconnected from God. And God continually calls us back and says, hey, come back, see this through my eyes. Come back, see this through spiritual eyes. This little piece of detail, blind from birth. This man born blind, uh, blind from birth. So our eyes may be opened to the gospel that Jesus came and made a way for us to be to, to see. So this is not just a miracle of a man being healed physically of blindness. This is a miracle which restores our faith that we too can be healed through the miracle of salvation. If somebody says, have you experienced a miracle? You, know, you think, well, I don't know, I can't remember. Well, if you've been saved, that's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. The fact that God who created the earth loves you so much that he died on a cross so that no matter what you've done, you can enter into right standing, into, right, into righteousness with him. That's a miracle. You've experienced a miracle if you've given your life to Christ. And in that relationship with Christ, he's going to give you so many more miracles as well. So many more miracles as well. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 as it, as it, as it speaks to this. Verse 2, 3 says, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, the man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that the man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In verse 1, we heard that God, that the the man couldn't see Jesus, but Jesus saw the man. In verse 2, we get a, a contrast between how humans see someone's condition Versus how Jesus sees your condition. Where humans look at the situation that someone's in and say, that situation is a consequence of past choices. Consequence of past sins. Some stuff must have happened that got them to that place. We're all guilty of that, hey? Go drive on the street, see someone who's begging, or we we, we know someone, a friend of ours is in a mess. Well, it's because of that stuff. It's because of those decisions. It's because of that past. Unfortunately, you've got to live with that. You know, consequences to that stuff. And, and there are certainly consequences to our decisions. But isn't it amazing how when Jesus sees the man, his, his, his reply to the disciples who say, well, what was it that caused this? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus basically doesn't even address that. He just says, this situation is an opportunity to glorify God. This situation is an opportunity to glorify God. So not only does he see you in your situation, you might be sitting here racked with guilt about what you've done. You might be sitting here feeling like, well, the situation that you're in is your lot in life because of what the decisions that you've made in the past. You might be feeling completely stuck and inhibited because, well, you had the parents that did that. And so your life is a product of that. You can go back through your narrative and you can find 
thousands of reasons why you've ended up in the situation that you're in. But when God looks at you, He's not looking at all of that. He's just saying that your life is an opportunity to glorify Him. So you can spend your time looking back over all the things that have got in the way of where you are right now, or you can spend time looking at Him, knowing that He sees your life as an opportunity to glorify Him. Jesus is, is, is challenging the disciples on this. The blind man, doesn't matter if it was his parents or him, whatever. We're talking now about this situation as an opportunity for, 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 for my father to be glorified, for God to be glorified. I love that. It's just a sentence, but it reveals the condition of the human heart, eh? And I, I, I mean, I've had conversations recently with, 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 with my wife about friends of ours. Like, oh, she got herself into that mess. You know, he got herself into that mess. It's this thing that just, it creeps in. And God asks us to see things through spiritual eyes. Well, that situation is an opportunity to glorify God. I always quote Romans 8, 28, I love it. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It's the first time I've looked at it and gone, all things. All things. No matter what thing is in your life right now, all things, God has the power and the authority to work that for good. I can just imagine some dealers four months of not being able to see. But this moment this morning was so powerful to hear their testimony. He uses those things for the good, to encourage a community. And I'm sure you've got loads of stories of people that have gone through Horrific circumstances, but God has the ability to use those things for good, which is why evil never wins. It's not that we are, are, are you know, we, we, are, we are in this world and stuff's going to happen. But God has the ability to work all situations for good. And he sees this man, he says, this is an opportunity to glorify God. And I think that, that if we had to look at people's situations around us, and even our own situations, and go, how would the situation be an opportunity for God to be glorified? It would change the way that we deal with that situation or deal with that person. Because God is a God of redemption and restoration and healing. And we get to participate in that. The man could not see Jesus, but Jesus could see the man. And what the world saw as a consequence of sin, Jesus saw as an opportunity to bring glory to God. You may have ridden yourself up. You may have given up. You may have lost the world to live as everything around you is, is so messy. You may be beating yourself up about your choice. But most of all, you might have lost hope. Jesus says your situation is, a, is an opportunity for God to be glorified. Father, I pray over situations in this church right now. And I pray for situations that our friends face, our family members face. And I pray right now, Father, in the Spirit, that those situations become opportunities for you to be glorified, Father. This is a church of testimonies, Lord. What's happening now in people's lives, it's just part of the bigger testimony. You, you call us conquerors in you, Father God. Whatever it is, no matter how dire it might feel, Father God, there's people in this room that need to know that you see them, you see their context and down the line, we don't know how much further down the line, they will tell the story. And the story will have at its core a God who redeemed them in that space, Lord God. And who is glorified through what happens next. 
It's not about what happened behind us. It's about what happens next. And we can have hope for what happens next because we serve you, Father God. We serve you, Father God. So we can have hope for what happens next. Amen? Verse 4 and 5 then says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of this world. Such a great reminder, that word we, and there's some debate around who God was referring to with we. When I read that, I, I, I see him talking about we, we, the disciples, you and I. You know, we, need to, we need to work the works. But just that word we, he didn't say, okay, I need to sort this out. I must work. Who does he say must work? We must work. So who must work? We must work. We've got to work. But the beauty about that is that God says that, hey, he sees you as a partner. So this is not just about God seeing your needs and being able to redeem your circumstances and being able to glorify your situation. But in salvation, in opening your spiritual eyes, he also opens you up to the reality of the fact that he sees you as a partner in him to advance his will on earth. Who would you invite into your business as a business partner? Who would you invite into your life as a life partner? Some random Someone without skills, without talent, without substance? No, you wouldn't invite someone that you didn't trust, that you didn't know. And yet God invites us all into partnership. So what does he think about us if he's willing to invite us into partnership with him? And what is the difference between what he thinks about you and what you think about yourself? So salvation is the spiritual eyes being opened up to how he sees you too. So that when you get a revelation of how he sees you, you see yourself through that same lens, and then you see the world through those eyes. Our eyes need to be open to this radically today. Because God didn't create rubbish. And so when he sees you, he sees the ability, he sees the skills, he sees the talents that he placed in you for specific reasons and for the potential to impact the world in your context. He's given you what you need to make a difference, and he says to you, I want to partner with you because I trust you, because I know you, because I created you, because you've got what it takes to do this thing with me. Our eyes must be open to how he sees us. When you look in the mirror and you see yourself, you say, I'm weak, I'm feeble, I've got nothing to add, I can add no value. All of that is just a bunch of lies that the devil wants you to believe. If you really get into the heart of Scripture and what he says about you, when you look in the mirror, that's what you need to proclaim. You may not feel it, but you proclaim it to the point that you start to believe it. And that's what community is about because we need to call it out in each other as well. What I see in you. What do I see in you? You might not see it, but I see it. Sometimes we see things in each other's lives that others can't see. But that's what community is about. God calls us into partnership with Him. He calls us to work with Him. He says, we must work the works of Him who sent us while it is day before night is coming. Night, referring to the time when Jesus will come. And we can't do the work anymore. We've only got this time to do it. It's daytime now. We're, it's like we're awake. We're awake now. It's daytime. We're working. We, we've got today. We've got tomorrow. And we've got whatever, whatever time's left before Jesus returns to work. But we won't work if we don't believe we have the potential to work. We won't partner if we don't believe that God sees us as a partner. We won't meet needs if we don't believe that we're worthy to meet needs. And so the longer the devil can keep you believing that you suck and that you're mundane and that you are irrelevant, the longer 
the works that you need to do will be avoided. And Jesus is crying out and saying, hey, I want you to work. I want you to work with me. Oh, I don't have what it takes a while. No, you do. You do. Let me open your eyes to it. Immerse yourself in him. We must work now. Watched a little movie with the girls. You remember the good dinosaur? Good little dinosaur, hey? Um, it's a cool little movie for kids if you're into dinosaurs. Is that okay, Wayne? Dinosaur? Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's a little exchange. This, this, this dinosaur's uh, born, third dinosaur, third kid, two bro- one brother, one sister. But he's a small little dinosaur, but dinosaurs are big, you know? And this dinosaur just feels like he can't do the things that his big mighty dad can do. And there's this little scene where, they, where, where, where they're running through the storm, and he's just full of fear, and he lacks confidence in everything. And the big dinosaur, the dad dinosaur, just turns around and just looks at his son and is, says, come son, run with me. And the son says, I'm scared, dad, I can't do this. And his dad just looks at him and says, son, you are me and more. You are me and more. And the whole movie is about this dinosaur understanding that and getting a revelation of that. Oh, look at our kids, so they're definitely us. I mean, look at that one with the sunglasses. They're definitely us, but they're more than us too. And Jesus says in the scriptures, when he leaves the earth and leaves his disciples, he says, you will do what I did and more. Now what you're saying to me, Father, is because of, because of my relationship, because of what you put in me, I'm able to do more than what you did on this earth. So he's not just saying that we're partners. He's not just saying, hey, you're, you're, you've, you've got what it takes. He's saying that you've got incredible potential. Incredible potential. If you're sitting here today and you don't believe that you've got potential, you're wrong. You need to have a spiritual eye opened to the potential that sits within you because you can do what Christ did and more. I think there's something about embracing this that shifts our lives away from the mundane to one of incredible fulfillment and joy. Sometimes, sometimes we talk a lot about like finding your purpose and doing the job that aligns with your skills and you know contextual stuff, but Within the space that we operate on a daily basis, can you imagine what it's like to walk every day and do miracles? There's something significant about just being able to partake in the divine and to, to bring the divine into context. It might be walking through the spa and seeing a need and, and meeting that. The random act of shopping becomes a divine. The random act of having a meeting and you see a need in someone and you speak into that, giving them a word, that becomes the divine. It's, it's turning the natural situations that you're in, the small little situations that you're in, those become divine. It's not the big things, the teaching or the whatever it is, but it's, it's, it's the small little divine moments where, you, where you're participating in the kingdom in that moment. Because it, it means that it's accessible to you. You don't have to qualify in something and become something. You, you just need to be where you're going to be tomorrow. Because as long as there's people in need, God needs you to operate. So you can get into that divine. This is what brings true joy into our souls, I believe. That, hey, God used me. <laughs> do, do you see what he did there? And we've got to take risk with this. And yeah, there are times when Wayne's shared some good stories, and you all have the stories about when you try to participate in the divine and like nothing happens. <laughs> but that's all part of the journey, it's all part of the learning. It's all part of, 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 of what it means to, 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 to grow in, in Christ. I, I've been promoting this. Uh, the, the Chosen, um, I don't know how many of you have watched the series, The Chosen. I've been harping on it, Wayne and Trish, to watch season three. If you haven't watched The Chosen, watch it. 
It's the biggest, in fact, it's getting a lot of media attention right now. It's the biggest crowdfunded Christian production that's sitting outside of mainstream media. So it has no limitations. But it's such a, a, a great depiction of the life of Christ on earth. But, but season three, why I love it, is because it starts to get into the world of the disciples. That's us. And there's a moment where Jesus sits them down, and they've just been following him, you know. Hey, Jesus, look, he does this, he does this, and they're following him, wow, you know, wow, wow. And he sits them down, and he says, right, I'm sending you out two by two. And he's sending you two to there, and you two to there, and you two to there, and they all just look at him and go, mm-mm. Uh, no. What do you mean? So just go. So, well, and then they start asking the questions. Okay, when I get there, and he's like, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. And sort of cuts it short. And you can see everyone's going, ah, ah, ah. just go. And off they go. They walk in faith. And something about just that heart. God just, you're my disciple, just go. Just go. Don't worry about the clarity and the details and no, oh, no, 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 no. Just go. Okay? And that links into this miracle, verse 6 and 7. It says, having said these things, he spits on the ground. I was going to bring some sand and ask for a volunteer this morning. <laughs> Langa, eh? Yeah. I was talking about this last night and someone said that actually it was the, it was the other one where he just spit. <laughs> Jesus has healed a few blind people, but he, his, his method always changes, you know? It's the unique thing about our God. He keeps us kind of, that's interesting. This time he spat on the ground, he took the mud and he rubbed the mud on the, on the blind man's eyes. So he says he spits on the ground and made mud with a saliva. I thought it would be spat, he spat on the ground, but apparently it's not, he spat on the ground. So then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seen. There's always just so much sort of metaphor in this. And as I said earlier, this isn't just about the healing of the physical blindness, but also the healing of the spiritual blindness. A little bit later on in this passage, the Pharisees are all over this miracle. They're like, what on earth has happened here? This, this guy's claiming that he can see now, and they're going to the parents, and they're asking the parents, was he born, from, from, was he born blind? And then do you believe that he's what he claims uh, to be, Jesus? And the parents are avoiding this because they know they're going to get themselves into all sorts of trouble, so they're going to the guy who was healed, and they're saying to him, do you believe that, uh, that, that he was who he says uh, he claims to be? And, and, and the man just says one thing. He just says, hey, listen, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. I was blind, but now I see. When you encounter Jesus... You go from I was to but now. When you encounter Jesus, you go from I was broken, but now I'm healed. I was lost, but now I'm found. I had no direction, but now I have vision. Jesus is the, is the Jesus that intercepts the I was and the but now. That's the grace of God is he wants to get into the situation to go, it was that, but now it's this. And that's all the man can say to the answers to the Pharisees to answer their questions. Hey, all I know is, I was blind, but now I see salvation. We were blind, but now we see. And the, 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 the metaphor between the, 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 the man having no sight to sight, how radically that would have changed his life to have not seen anything ever before, to encountering Jesus, and now to see completely is a radical shift. But it's the same for us when we have our spiritual sight restored. That means that there's going to be stuff that we have never seen before, 
Since birth, until the moment when Jesus saves us, he opens us eyes to something radically new. We see stuff that we've never seen before. And Jesus wants to continue to show us stuff that we've never encountered before. That's what spiritual sight means. And that same feeling that the blind man would have had by having a sight restored is exactly the same feeling that we have when spiritual sight is restored to us. It's a significant event. But why the mud? Why the mud? Like, what is Jesus doing there? Is that just a random, you know, spits on the ground, rubs mud in his eyes? And think about this context. This man is sitting there. Essentially, a stranger walks past him, rubs some spit in the ground, and then next thing he can feel, he can't see, he can feel mud being rubbed in his eyes by this man. And he, he must have got a sense of, of, of something because then the, the, the stranger, Jesus, says to him, okay, now go to the pool. So you've had a stranger come and touch your eyes with mud and then told you to go for a walk with the mud and get in a pool. I, I, I believe, and just in, in praying, that the mud represents how we can get into a place where we literally feel like we are wading through mud where we can't see clearly, where we feel so lost, we feel so, we just feel so like we're going around in circles. Like Sob said with that boat in the storm, you know, we're just rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing, where we can't see clearly. You know when you walk through mud, it's just this, this heavy feeling. Can you imagine the emotions involved with being blind? And you guys know what it's like. I came into this year, I, I've never, I've always been someone who's goal-oriented and vision-oriented and stuff. I came into this year completely clueless about what was going on. And people say, what, what, what are you going to do this year? What are your expectations? Like, mm, absolutely nothing. I'm feeling lost. I feel like I've got mud on my eyes. Can't see clearly. And there's things that I've been hoping for that haven't arrived. Things seem to be going slowly. I don't know. I'm watching people around me, like Sob said, just enter into stuff and do stuff and stuff. But I feel like I'm just sitting with this mud. And the same the same thing applies. You can imagine that blind man with this wish to have his sight restored in the same way when we're in that space, we cry out to Jesus, don't we? We say, make things clear. Make things clear. We get on our knees. Make things clear. Uh, 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 please just, just tell me where I want to go. I just want to do your will. So tell me what your will is. Write it on the wall so that I'm clear and then I'll go. Lord, what about this decision? There's these two, th- I don't know which way to go. Make it clear to me. Bring clarity into my life. Show me the direction that you're in. Have you, am I alone? Hey, I'm sitting there praying this. But he rubs the mud on and then he says to the man, go for a walk. And this sucker punched me because what I realized is I want the miracle before I walk in faith. But he says to the man, walk in faith, and then you'll receive the miracle. No, no. No, I want the miracle. I want the clarity. I want my eyes open now, and then I'll walk in faith. Oh, you need to walk in faith with the mud. You've got a, a bit of way to go here. I've touched you. You know it's me. You can trust me. The mud's still on your eyes. Don't just sit here. Walk. 
hard. It's hard to walk. When it's tough, it's hard to walk when you're depressed. It's hard to walk when you're disillusioned. Imagine how Jesus must have felt watching that blind man get up and walk away from him. He must just, just go, son. Just go, son. Just get there. He had no control over whether or not. The guy goes, are you mad? Take this mud off. So much love. I know that Jesus would have loved to have just gone, sights. But this story is something different. It's something different for us because there's times in our lives where he's going to say, your miracle's coming, but I want you to walk with the mud. It's so hard. But it's hard for Jesus too as he watches us walk with that mud, as he watches us walk with those tough emotions. And off that man trudges with mud on his eyes and we walk with mud on our eyes and we walk with mud on our eyes. But the miracle comes. While the pool, this pool called Siloam, you know, just to go back a step, I believe, just feel like I believe there's, there's some things that God is asking some of you to do. But you aren't clear about how that's going to work. That's what it means to have mud on your eyes. Sometimes our strategy is to sit and pray, to kneel and pray. But in a way, we're stationary while we ask for confirmation. And there's certain things in this room today that God has laid in your heart that you need to activate by walking. In other words, just start. Just do something. Just start. Just start. I told you that my year started off with this lack of direction. I had a sense that God was asking me to reactivate something that I was very passionate about, which was telling stories. And um, as, he, as he spoke to me about that, the, the same questions came up. But, but how? The resources, the, the, the time, etc., etc. And eventually after just you know, getting into this and, 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 and walking in faith with God, just saying, all right, you know what? I'm not going to deliberate over this. I'm not going to get lost in my head with this. I'm just going to start. Last week, I got a little photo of, um, I interviewed a guy called Mondli and Lovu, and I'm going to be releasing a story next week. He was born with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. His dad rejected him straight away. It's not my son. Today, he's one of the most prolific hip-hop dancers I've ever met. He's got a group called Survivors. I want him to come dance in our church. In fact, we can do a dance-off. Can check who's in it. Some of you are like, ah. <laughs> I don't know what God's doing. But I just sat on that chair and said, I'm just going to start. I need a bunch of cash to buy the equipment that I need to do this properly. I need more people to, um, I, I'm not getting paid for this, whatever, but I'm just going to start. Guys, just start. Okay? Can we just start some stuff? Right. Just start some stuff. It's February now. Let's start some stuff. Stop thinking about it, deliberating over it, wondering how this is going to work, wondering you're going to get the money from Just start some stuff. Whatever God's laid in your heart, that's saying, just start it. This week, today, whatever, after the service, start. Make a call. 
buy something, pick something up, write something down, make an appointment, whatever it is, just start some stuff. God will take you to the pool and your miracle will come. Walk with the mud. Just walk with the mud. God's in that. The pool, the pool, to finish with the pool. The pool is called Siloam. All right? The meaning of that word is sent. All right? The, in other words, sending out a gushing forth. The interesting thing about this pool is that the, the pool came from a natural spring. All right? So it, was, it wasn't just a pool of water. It was fed by a natural spring. Unbelievable that he was called to go and jump into this pool, this natural spring, the spring that says sent. We sent by God. All right? But the Bible refers to God as the living waters. We speak so much about the living waters pouring through our lives and out into our lives. As we enter into the pool, as we are immersing ourselves in God while we're walking, the miracles come. Jesus makes things clear. All our job is, and this is for me, 2023, when you ask me what I'm doing, I'm just starting some stuff, and I'm immersing myself in the water. That's it. I don't know where it's going. I no longer have a five-year plan. I don't even know what's going to happen in March. But I've started some stuff, and I'm immersing myself in God. I'm going to wait in the pool. And I'm going to keep starting stuff, and I'm going to see where it's going to go. So if you want to join me in that, you can join me in that. That's it for me. All right. big part of my job is like goals and stuff, so don't tell anyone. But um, we'll, uh, we'll rearrange that. So from all of this, what do we know? He sees me. Even when I can't see him, he sees me. My context is an opportunity for God to be glorified. Don't worry about the past narrative. What's next? If God's in it, I was. But now, I have purpose and partnership. God calls me to participate in the divine every day. The miracle for me is the restoration of, physic, of, of spiritual sight so that I can see that. He calls me to walk even when I have no clarity. Walk in the mud. But, just like Sob spoke about last week, and just how we're speaking about now, the miracles come. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. We can walk this out. And that, for me, is the amazing grace of God. The amazing journey, the adventure of walking with our God. Let's stand. Let's just let God minister to us this morning in this... Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.com. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.